Amen. Good morning. How's everybody? Great. Great. So glad you are with us this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the New Testament book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapters 27 and 28. We're not going to read really any of 27. I'm just going to kind of walk you through it real quickly, and then we're going to read a few verses in um, Acts chapter 28. But we are wrapping up our series uh, this morning. Arthur, I feel like I'm, I'm hearing something from, is it, is it just me? Okay, there we go. Is that better? Can you guys hear me okay? All right, all right, well, um, so we're wrapping up our series today in Acts. The gospel continued, and I'm excited. Uh, I've enjoyed this series. We started it right after Easter, and uh, we've been in it for a long time, which is good. It's good. So Acts chapter 27 to 28. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback black Bible in the row in front of you or in the seat in front of you. Uh, you can turn into that Bible, I believe it's page 902, 903, and um, if you don't own a Bible, you can take that Bible with you. That's our gift to you. So let's uh, pray and we will dive in. Father God, we thank you um, already for just the time of worship that we've had to lift our voices to you. Um, God, we thank you for... Uh, just your grace and mercy in our lives. We thank you for your son, Jesus, and uh, as we just sang about uh, the sacrifice that he made, um, that he paid the penalty for our sins. And so we, we, we thank you for that. We thank you for uh, the victory that we have in Jesus. And I pray now as we continue to worship you through your word, God, that uh, as we exalt Jesus in his place, that, that we would see how beautiful he is in light of who we are, and then we would see our need for him. And uh, we just pray, God, for your spirit to just continue to move. It's in, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So back in November of 2013, I ran my first and only half marathon, okay? First and only half marathon. And uh, I remember the months leading up to the half, for those of you that don't know, half marathon is 13.1 miles, uh, full marathon is 26.2. And so leading up to the months uh, training for that, I remember waking up very early in the mornings to do long distance runs. And I tried to prepare for the race and to build up endurance. And to be honest with you, I had one goal, uh, one goal only. Uh, I didn't necessarily have a specific time that I wanted to, to reach or be because I never ran one before. But I had one goal, and that one goal was to simply cross the finish line, right, uh, upright, okay? I wanted to just finish, finish the race. That, that was my goal. Um, I remember I ran with Paul Hale, who is a member of the church here. Uh, he, he, he probably carried me halfway through the race. Uh, he probably was exhausted afterwards. Uh, but, but we ran together during that race. And, and whenever you run in, in marathons, they, they have these tables uh, periodically set up with the, like water and different things on there that you can grab along the way. But they also have these things. And I, I, didn't, I was not aware of these things until I started training for the, for the half marathon. But they call them uh, the goo, goo packs. Goo, goo packs? I think I'm saying that right. Is that right? Does that sound right? And so they're, they're, all it is, is, it sounds weird, but it's like a liquidy, a thick liquidy type of stuff that's supposed to give you energy, right? So you grab one, you take it, and you squirt it in your mouth, and, but you're supposed to take water with it. That's the key, okay? So I, I yeah, so you know where I'm going with this. So I grab one of those goo packs. This is like over halfway through the race, right? So I'm already like, you know, sweating pretty good, breathing pretty good. I stick that thing in my mouth, and uh, it's, it's a, like I said, it's a thick liquid and I didn't have any water with it, and so it started to, like, the best way I can ex explain it is it started to expand in my mouth. <laughs> like, I felt like I was about to suffocate. Like, I was like, I felt like my throat, I was like, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm like, I look at Paul and say, I think I'm going to die. I'm, I'm, I'm going to die right here on the street. And so I'm, like, looking for water, like, just trying to douse, throw it in my face and douse everything. And anyways, I get through that. I survived. Obviously, I'm here. Uh, but I, I just, again, around miles 11 and 12, you, you feel like uh, your, your legs are just, you can't even really feel your legs. For those of you that do uh, full marathons, man, God bless you. I don't know how you do it. Uh, because, you know, that, that was my aspiration. My, I said, I'm going to start with a half marathon, and then I'll move up to a full. I did a half, and then I'm done, <laughs> pretty much. You know, I was like, I think I'm done. I'm, not, I'm good with a half. Uh, but but it, it was tough. But we persevered. We finished the race, and it felt good. It felt satisfying. To, to know that those early morning runs and all of that training and self-discipline had paid off. I'd finished the race. I accomplished my one goal of crossing that finish line. Likewise, the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts had had one goal, one 
goal, and that goal was to pro- proclaim Jesus and to advance the good news of the gospel. That was his one goal. As a matter of fact, last week when we were studying through, uh, through Acts chapter 20, uh, Paul was saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders, and, and this is what he says in Acts 20, 24. He says, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course, finish my race, and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel. Testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And that, and that was Paul's main goal. It was to proclaim Jesus and to make much of him and to advance the gospel. And that is what Acts chapter 27 and 28 are really all about. Now, when you read Acts chapter 27 and 28, it may not look like that at first glance because Luke, who is the author of Acts, gives us a lot of detail in there about Paul's voyage, his trip to Rome. You see, Paul had longed to go to Rome. He had been wanting to go to Rome for a long time. As a matter of fact, he, he had already written the letter to the Romans uh, when he was in Corinth. He wrote the letter because there was already a, a small church that had been established in Rome. Uh, you can read at the end of the Roman letter that Paul says his desire is to take an offering to Jerusalem and that he wants to get on a ship and go to Spain and pass through Rome as he goes. And he wants to see uh, the brothers and sisters there. And in Romans 16, you can see he greets all these people. So he knew several people that were at the church in Rome. And so his desire was to get to Rome. But the way that he gets there is not necessarily the way that he thought he would get there. Because in Acts 21 and 22, Paul goes back to Jerusalem to take that offering, and the Jews, his own people, plot against him to try to kill him. They want to kill Paul because they feel like he is speaking against God and his temple. And so they accuse Paul of of speaking blasphemy, and they have him arrested, and Paul ends up spending the next two years in a prison in Caesarea. So go ahead and pull up that map. Lacey, and uh, here's the map. Caesarea is over here on the right. Oh, you, who circled that for me? Charlie. Way to go, Charlie. Where are you at, Charlie? Uh, he's not in here right now. Oh, there you are, Charlie. <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. So Caesarea is down here in this little red circle. You even Look at you, man. You even circled Malta. You, you rock, dude. Thank you so much. So, so that, that's where Paul spent two years in prison. Uh, and there, what, what happened, man, is he, he goes before the Roman governor named Felix and Felix hears Paul's case, and he's like, I don't really think you're, you know, what, what they're charging you for, I, don't, I, don't, I think you're innocent. But because Felix wanted to appease the people, and, and, and you know, because everybody answered to Caesar, he's like, I'll just leave you here in prison and, and whatever. And so he, he steps down from his role, and the next governor is named Festus. Crazy name, right? Who would name their kid Festus? Obviously, Festus' parents did, right? Uh, but anyway, so Festus is, becomes governor, and he hears Paul's case, and he's like, I don't find you guilty either, but he leaves him in there. And then he goes before King Agrippa, and, and finally Paul's like, you know what, I am going to appeal to Caesar. I, I want to go to Rome, and I want to plead my case before Caesar himself. And so that's what he does. So he boards a ship with numerous other prisoners, and they set sail across the Mediterranean Sea. And when they get to Malta, which is this place over here that Charlie circled for us, thank you, man, uh, they, they, they experience a, a huge storm. It's called a nor- nor'easter is what it's called in the Bible. It's a huge windstorm, massive storm, and they suffer massive losses. As a matter of fact, the ship wrecks, and by the grace of God, go back and read the story, it's awesome. Uh, but by the grace of God, they all survive. And they end up on this little island called Malta. And as, you, as you're reading through 27 and 28, you see that the islanders there, uh, they, they welcome the people on the ship. And then, and then Paul is gathering firewood. And as he's gathering firewood, he puts the, fire in, the wood in the fire and a viper, a snake, reaches out and bites Paul on the arm. And when the islanders see this, man, they're thinking, oh, this guy's cursed. He's just whatever. He's, he's going to die. And uh, it's one of those two-step snakes. You guys know what a two-step snake is? Take two steps and you're dead, right? And so, but Paul did. He shook it off like it was nothing, like it was just a little flea. He just kind of flicked it off, 
And the islanders then thought that he was a god, right? So he was mistaken for, you know, this mass murderer who was reaping what he sowed and got bit by a snake, and then he went from that to being a good god. And anyways, he spent some time on Malta doing some ministry there. And then finally, they get on another ship, and they set sail up to, to Rome. And that's where we pick it up here in chapter 28, verse 17. So let me turn there in my Bible. Are you guys there? You guys going to look at it on the screen? Is it on the screen for us? It's not. So you got to have a Bible, or you can just listen. All right, so here we go. Acts, uh, Acts chapter 28, verse 17. So they, after three days, so he, Paul's been there for three days. Back it up real quick to verse 16. It says, when he came to Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. So Paul is with a soldier by himself. Verse 17, after three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews and when they had gathered, he said to them. So let me just clarify something real quick. Um, as we've gone through Acts, you've noticed that when Paul goes into a city to preach the gospel, um, he always does uh, one thing first. He always goes to the synagogues first because that's where the Jews would meet. And his first objective was to preach to the Jews. And so that doesn't change. He gets to Rome. The very first thing he wants to do is he says, I want to call all the Jews to my house, and I want to talk to them about Jesus. And so let's read on there. He says, uh, he said to them, brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And so he's just explaining to them what I just explained to you, right? This is why he's in prison. This is why he's in chains. He says, when they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled. That's a, it's an important word because what Paul is doing is he's saying, listen, I was forced to appeal to Caesar because the Jews, when they heard that Paul appealed to Caesar, they wouldn't have liked that because they didn't like Caesar. So, so Paul basically is saying, listen, I, I was forced to, I was compelled to, to appeal to Caesar, uh, which he, he really was. And then though I had no charge, they, they had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I ask to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. In other words, they're saying, Listen, we haven't heard any bad rumors about you. Uh, it's all good. You're, you're cool with us. Uh, and then they say, But we desire to hear from you what your views are for with regard to this sect, talking about the Christians, that we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging. So everybody is gathered at his house in great numbers from morning till evening. He expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Now, I want to stop there for a second because Luke, who is the author of Acts, also writes the Gospel of Luke. At the very end of the Gospel of Luke, you see Jesus explaining the scriptures to the disciples. It says he opened their minds and their hearts to see the scripture. And Jesus explained from the law of Moses to the prophets to the Psalms that everything in scripture pointed forward to Jesus. And this is exactly what Paul is doing. From morning till evening, he is explaining how the Old Testament, the, the, the law of Moses, the sacrificial system, Everything in Old Testament Scripture is pointing forward to Jesus, right? Because that's that, that he's trying to convince them, hey, Jesus is the Messiah. This is who you need. Uh, it says, some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. Paul said, the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet. And he's, he's, he's quoting Isaiah from the Old Testament. He says, go to this people. And say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts have grown dull. Their ears, they can barely hear. Their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. And understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. And they will listen. This is ultimately why Paul wanted to go to Rome. is because of the Gentile population. He wanted to advance the gospel. And so what he says is, hey, I'm going to come to the Jews first, invite them into my home, explain that Jesus is the Messiah, but they just did not listen. Their hearts were hardened to the gospel. That's why he quotes Isaiah, okay? But verses 30 and 31, to me, are the key verses in Acts 28. Look at what it says. It says, he lived there two whole years. 
at his own expense, and he welcomed all who came to him. That, that, that's a, a present participle verb there, which means he continuously welcomed people all the time. People were coming in and out of his house constantly. And look at verse 31. What was he doing? He was proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Right? So, so you read Acts 27 and 28. It's about the advancement of the gospel. But when you first read it, you think, I, I, you know, it doesn't seem like that, right? Because, I mean, here Paul is experiencing all these different hardships and persecution all these different obstacles, and then it gets down to the very last two verses, and it says he lived two whole years unhindered, proclaiming Jesus. I mean, literally, unhindered is the last word in the book of Acts, and that's how it ends, and that's how Luke ends the book of Acts. Like, there's no, there's no explanation of, of what, what happened. Does, does Paul go before Caesar? We don't know. Does he make it to Spain? We don't know, right? We, we got some, some bits and pieces from some of the letters that he wrote that we can kind of piece together. But, but this is how Luke ends the book of Acts, saying that the gospel advanced unhindered. It kind, it, kind of, it kind of leaves you with, you know, like a cliffhanger, right? Like some unanswered questions. But I believe that's intentional by, by Luke, Right? That, that, that's intentional because Acts is still being written today by you and me, right? We, we are continuing to advance the gospel, right? This is, this is God's mission. We, we saw in the very first chapter of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8, where, where Jesus sends his disciples out. He says, I am sending you out to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, the gospel has gone all the way across, and, and, and this is the, the point of Acts. When it ends, it, it doesn't end letting us know about what's going on because there is no ending, right? We are continuing. This is the mission of God. God is on a mission, and we are to partner with him on this mission. There are a whole church planting organization that is called Acts 29 Ministries because we are to continue to advance the gospel. That's why this series is, is Acts, the gospel continued, right? We are to continue to proclaim Jesus and advance the gospel. And I hope that you have seen that throughout this series, man, that, that nothing is more prominent in the book of Acts than the spread of the gospel. You see, see, Luke is not concerned about giving us information about Paul because Acts is not about Paul. Acts is not about his missionary journeys. Acts is about the spread of the Acts is about Jesus, about proclaiming Jesus and about spreading the gospel. And I hope that you have seen that throughout Acts, there is nothing more prominent than that. This is, this is God's mission to rescue and to redeem sinners through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus. Now, I said at the beginning of this series that, uh, that Acts reveals God's passionate pursuit of his people, and it does. I mean, you see, God, God just pursues after people, and he is pursuing after you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, God is, you're here for a reason because God is pursuing you. All right? God, God, God passionately pursues his people, but I want to clarify and say that Acts is really where God is inviting us, the church, to join him on this mission to rescue and to redeem Right? We, we have been compelled by the gospel. If we've been, we have been saved from something for something. Right? We, we are, we're not saved just to kind of come in here and meet in this holy huddle every week. Right? But we are saved for a purpose. We are to be, to be ministers of the gospel. Right? We are to reconcile. Right? We are to proclaim Jesus and this good news of the gospel. And this is what God is inviting us to do is to join him on this mission. I don't know if you know this or not, but God is a missionary God. He is. God is a missionary God. He, he is a sending God. God is a, a God who sends out. We see this from the very beginning in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. It says, in the beginning, God created, right? God created everything uh, good and for his glory. Every single thing is created for God's glory, right? Everything was meant to point to him, right? When we look at creation, it was meant to 
to inspire all in us and to be like, man, God is awesome. God is wonderful. God is mighty. God is powerful. That is the point of creation, is for his glory. But very quickly in Genesis chapter 3, man, Adam and Eve rebelled. They sinned against God. And because of that sin, what happened is they immediately experienced spiritual death, which means they were separated from God. And then they also experienced physical death, right? Our, our bodies began to break down and we begin to die physically, right? Because we rebelled against God and His goodness towards us because of sin, we, we robbed God of His glory. The glory that is due God, we steal it because of our sinfulness. And so what does, what does God do? Well, God, God doesn't just wipe the slate clean. He doesn't just kind of say, well, that, that y'all ruined my plan. So He, just, he doesn't just kind of toss us to the side. He doesn't just sit back and disengage. No, because he is a missionary God, he engages, he pursues, he sins. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he did what? Sent. Sent his one and only son. Whoever believes shall have everlasting life. God makes the first move. God takes the initiative. You and I did not initiate this. God initiates. God makes the first move. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, this is my mission. This is my purpose. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is God's mission. He sends Jesus to the earth to put on flesh to live the life that you and I could not live. Where you and I rebelled and sinned and robbed God of his glory, Jesus came and he obeyed perfectly. He loved God and loved others perfectly. Romans chapter 8, verse 3, the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. In other words, you and I could not keep the law. You and I could not obey God perfectly. So what God does is he sends his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled. So Jesus came and put on flesh and he obeyed perfectly. So that through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, you and I might be found righteous in Christ. That's good news, by the way. So Jesus lived the life that we could not live. He died the death that we should have died. He paid the penalty for our sins. He was our substitute sacrifice on the cross. He was buried and raised on the third day, defeating sin and death. Colossians, Paul writes these words, Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He says, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so we go. Jesus said, John 20, 21, he says, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. There you go again. God is a sending God. God invites us to participate with him on this mission of proclaiming the gospel. Luke 24, 47, Jesus said to his disciples, he, said, he says that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Just as God sent Jesus, Jesus is sending us, his followers. I mean, our, our purpose here at Chester Christian Church, who, who has a bulletin handy with them? Anybody got a bulletin that you walked into the uh, room with? Chris, stand up and, and, and open up that bulletin. And what is our, uh, sorry, man, you mind doing this? I'll put you on the spot here. Uh, what's our purpose? What's our purpose here at Chester Christian Church? I say it just about every single week, so you should know it, but what, what does it say in that program, Chris? What does it say? Does it not say it in the, it should say the whole thing. Is it the front of it? It shows you how, hey, this just shows you how, how much I look at the bulletin. It's on the inside, the top. You see it? Maybe I should have planned this out before we did this. This is, this is, this is, this is. Very good. Our purpose here at Chester Christian Church is to make much of Jesus. Listen to me, that's not just a catchy saying. That's not just, you know, us sitting in a room and saying, hey, let's, let's come up with something cool, you know, something catchy, some catchy phrase, you know, the, 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 no, this is straight from what uh, we're supposed to do. We are supposed to exalt Jesus. He is the point. He is the center of, uh, of what it is. He is the gospel. He's the good news. And so our purpose is to make much of Jesus by reaching people with the gospel, discipling people in the gospel, and equipping people to share the gospel. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, also known as the Great Commission. 
He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Every single area of life, your life, my life, nature, everything, Jesus has authority over it all. And I want you to just stop and think for a second what that means for us. I mean, think about the fears that you have. Think about the anxiety that you have. Think about the stress of life. Think about all the, those nights that you lie awake in bed and, and, and sleepless because you are worrying about this or that. The, 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 when Jesus says, all authority in heaven is mine and earth is mine, that should shatter all of those fears because, because God is in control. God is sovereign. He is in control of every situation, every circumstance. I can, I can tell you right now, when Paul was on his way to Rome and everything that he experienced, he, he had no idea. like, what, you know, what's going on here? Am I, but then the, the last two verses, right? The last two verses, two years, proclaimed the gospel day after day. Think about how many Roman guards heard the gospel and, and lives were changed because every single day there was a different guard that heard the gospel. Unhindered. See, all those things that he experienced, right? Uh, God was in control of the storm, that he, the shipwreck. God was in control of him being in prison. God was in control of all of that leading up to, you got, you got to think, man, but Paul wrote the book of Romans, right? Romans 8.28 is, a, is a, one of the favorite verses a lot of Christians like to quote. Right? What does it say? It says, uh, God, he, uh, what, somebody help me out here. What does Romans 8.28 say? I, I'm, God works all things to the good of those who love him, right? You, you got to think Paul was thinking about those words that he had already written, when he was sitting there in, in Rome, right? Because, because for two years, he gets to, to preach the gospel unhindered. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, right? I am in complete control. I am in charge of every circumstance. He says, therefore, go. Because I have all authority, because I'm in complete control, go. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. God is a missionary God. He is a sending God Therefore, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Make much of Jesus. Reach people, disciple people, equip people. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Go, go reflects the sent nature. That's why the title of this, the title of this sermon is to live sent. Right? I mean, I, 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 this, is, this is our mission. This is our purpose I love coming here every single Sunday. I love gathering together to be encouraged. But, but man, when we leave here, we are to leave sent, right? We are to live sent. We are to make much of Jesus. That's why we say that week in and week out, not just here on Sunday morning, but when you go to your workplace, when you go to your neighborhood, we are to make much of Jesus. Uh, one of my best friends uh, who I talk to on the phone every single week, uh, I've known him my whole life. We grew up in church together. He is a church planter. He planted a church in our hometown, Pulaski, Virginia, five years ago. As a matter of fact, this Sunday, right now as we speak, they are celebrating their five years as a church plant. He had invited me to come and be a part of that. We couldn't make it work. But I told him this. I texted him early this morning. I said, man, I'm praying for today. But, but you know, the tagline of his church, or the church is North Star Pulaski. And the tagline on their, their website is don't, go, don't just go to church, but be the church. Right? Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Live sent. Live on mission. God is a missionary God. Jesus is the foundation of our going. The gospel is not you do, but it's Jesus did, and we proclaim Jesus. Right? And now that brings us full circle back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, because Jesus said, but you will receive power. See, when we go, we can't go in our own power. We can't do this on our own. We can't do this in our own strength. We can't we can't save anybody. We just proclaim Jesus, and we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, as, as God sent Jesus, Jesus sends us, and Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives in every single one of us who have put their faith in Christ to give us the power to do this mission, right? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's the sending nature of God. The Holy, he sends the Holy Spirit and we go with Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Some people say, you know, that, that this is the church's mission, right? The church's mission is to go out and do this. And then that's partly right. 
But it's probably more theologically correct to say that, that God's mission has a church. This is God's mission. God is the missionary God, and he has a church, and he's inviting us to join him in this mission to reach, disciple, and equip. Amen? And so what does this look like? How do we live sin? What does this look like on ground level for us here at Church of the Christian Church? Because I want to make this tangible, right? I want, I want you to see how we can be a part of this, not just here as a church, but individually in your own lives, okay? So Donnie Blick, are you in here, Donnie Blick? Donnie Blick, Donnie Blick. Oh, there you are. Come on up here, man. Uh, Don, Donnie was out, and uh, he was here first service, and he's out for, for training where our elders, our elders are discipling, okay? So he's out there with, with those guys. And so uh, Don, Donnie is a part of Par 3 Ministry, and Donnie is going to share how uh, we are reaching people with the gospel here. There you go, my friend. Good. Good morning, everybody. For those of you, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Donnie Blake. Pastor Aaron here asked me a few days ago if I would talk about part three, and of course I said I would. I love talking about part three. Um, I have some notes here because my problem is I don't know when to stop. Um, I even put a little extra stuff in my hair to get it nice for y'all and went on a diet this morning. How y'all, how's it looking like I'm losing weight? Uh, as I'm writing this, I feel like I'm feeling like part three is important, and I'll get back to that in a moment, but I wanted to talk a little about how my personal journey encouraged me to this point. My wife and Brianne and I started coming to Chester uh, Christian roughly eight years ago, and although I was saved back in my youth, um, I wasn't exactly a card-carrying active Christian. Even though we would walk through these doors every Sunday, when I left, I usually left Jesus within these walls. My problem was that I had shrunk my life down to the size of my personal interest in my inner circle, so to speak. No need to rock the boat. I've got this. I came to church, check. Went to small group, check. I even read the Bible a little, and I even listened to Christian music from time to time. But I knew, though, through nobody's fault of my own, that I wasn't growing spiritually like I needed to. Then one day, Pastor Neal announced an upcoming mission to, to Nepal. <clears throat> I really can't explain it, but I had an urging to go to this, uh, even though I thought he said Naples, but oh well, I went to Nepal. I'll admit that I struggled with self-doubt all the way until we landed. That was a long airplane flight. I was traveling with people that were further along in their walk, more script, uh, spiritually sound than me. They had been on missions trips before, and here I was a newbie. Then boom, 45 minutes later, the 7.8. Uh, earthquake hit, and almost 9,000 people died that day. Over 22,000 people were injured, yet we went unscathed. Uh, we were on a level playing field now. God touched my heart during this trip. He also reminded me that there is a world outside my inner circle. I'm not saying that he allowed this earthquake um, for my benefit, but his purpose and plans are so much bigger than ours. Because I said yes, God took me out of my comfort zone shook my world, and not just told me, but showed me that God was in charge and that he had this. Fast forward to September 2015, and at this time we didn't have small group during the summer, and before our fall season uh, started, I was asked to take over small group, be a small group leader. I was honored, but yet again I left self-doubt creep in. There's so many people here more qualified than me, even in our small group. Who am I to do this? But I said yes, just like I said yes in Nepal, I said yes to here. I trusted that God would be with me, and he has been, and our, our small group is very special. Um, I know each and every time we meet that Jesus is there because I can feel him. In October 2015, we were having a small group meeting, and at the time, Ron and Mary had their uh, small group right next to ours here at the church. And I decided to ask everybody if they'd be interested in doing something crazy. 100% of the hands went up that night, and to this day, I still remember that moment. Uh, the hairs on my arms still stand up when I think about it. Because that was a powerful moment, God said, I've got this, because I said yes to his urging. <laughs> Even Moses was reluctant in the beginning. He felt his self-doubt, too, and finally said yes to the, and the rest is history. The vote was in October, and by November, we had made our first visit to Par 3. I did not know we could do this or what we would do or what this would look like, but I was eager to get started. I wanted everyone else to feel in my small group that had that same feeling that God's got this, because we all said yes. It wasn't until late Thursday night of that week that we had a solid plan for Sunday morning, what we were going to do. 
Uh, sometimes I think God needs a better watch, but we know his time is perfect. Here we are three years later going strong. That's in no small part to the donations of you guys, your products, times, and prayer, or time and prayer. All because we said yes, we will do this. I used to get hung up on the question, what's my purpose? I knew we all had one, but what's mine? With a lot of wasted time and a lot of talking myself out of things, I finally realized that it's simple. My purpose is to glorify God, to be transformed in the image of Christ, and to make much of Jesus by taking Jesus outside of these doors and being the disciples Jesus called us to be. David Crowder has a song called Praise the Lord. <clears throat> There's a line in it that I love. It says, I think when we get to heaven, we're going to laugh when we see how hard we try to make it and how easy it should be. Why do we tend to talk ourselves out of letting Jesus form us, his image, in, in his image? He wants to give us, or he wants us to give him everything, and yet we talk ourselves out of it. So I tell you all this, and to admit to all y'all, my self-doubt, and even sometimes even today, uh, just to ask you this simple question, what are you talking yourself out of that God is trying to bring you into? So now part three, what I'm supposed to be here for. All right, this is where I get real excited, so I definitely need the notes, and we're going there to part three afterwards, and to this date, three years, it's never rained on us. Today we're testing them, <laughs> but it's, I just walked outside and still no rain, so praise God. For those uh, who don't know what we do, on paper it's simple. We bring God's light into a very dark place. We stock up a trailer with miscellaneous uh, toiletries, food, coats, blankets, socks, shoes, and take it to the Par 3 Motel on Jeff Davis Highway. Uh, and that's where we set up shop. We do sell some of the things. We try to operate as a hands-up, not a hands-out, but it doesn't take a great business person to realize that buying things for 3 and $4 and selling them for a quarter will not make you very successful. We also have teamed up at Chesterfield County Food Bank, which supplies us with bags of food to distribute to them. Uh, during the spring and fall, or spring, summer and fall, we like to cook out for them. Usually this entails uh, big Nathan hot dogs and uh, chips, drinks, and in the winter months, we tend to uh, fix some more of a home-cooked meal, crock pots and, uh, and all that, and they seem to enjoy that. We just hang out with them. We, just, we, we talk to them. We pray with them. Um, every day that we go there, we always begin with a circle of prayer. Um, we try to bless the things that are there in that trailer, and we bless the people that are there. I've noticed over the last couple of years, um, our circle keeps getting bigger and bigger with the residents coming there a little bit early just so they can join us in that prayer, and that's a neat thing to see. Uh, since we started, we've grown to serving two motels, Par 3 and Shamrock Haven. If I've learned anything, it's that faith overrides facts and fear. 99% of success is just showing up, saying yes to God's plan, and letting him steer the ship and giving him all the glory. It's not always easy, though. It takes a lot of work, and you would be let down a lot when dealing with a part of society that most people would not give a second thought to. But God has a funny way of working through that. This year has been a struggle for me a lack of participation, a lack of seeing God's hand moving. I struggled with self-made litmus tests that I felt like I was failing. I started to question, do we stay, do we move on? I struggled this for with a while, and then, um, then all of a sudden the last couple months, or the last couple of visits, sorry, heaven's windows just seemed to have opened up. We were asked by a couple of the tenants there to start a Bible study. Um, that's what it's all about right there, and so we did. And um, we brought the church to them. One of the tenants, Miss Kay, tearfully read a letter to us uh, that she wrote out loud and saying how she loved us and thanked us for being such a blessing. Even more recently, we were blessed with a $7,000 donation. And if that's not God saying, relax, I got this, then I don't know what else to say. I'm so excited about the future and the vision that has been given to me. I love seeing God in the driver's seat because I don't need a map. We just go where he leads. His timing is perfect. It's been my pleasure working with the best group of people. It's not often that you keep the same group of visitors for so long doing something like this. Uh, what you think about and what you say have a big influence in your life. I have found that your life will follow the direction of your conversations. Have you ever been around a miserable person? Their misery loves uh, company. It's hard, to, um, it's hard to have a good day when somebody's always being miserable around you, and it, keep, it keeps you in a state of discouragement. But in contrast to that, your courage comes also from conversations and the way you think. It doesn't usually take long to face your fears when you're surrounded by courageous, God-fearing people helping you along the way and while you're going through it. Don't be afraid to fail because if you're doing it with God's glory in mind, he will not waste that seed. 
God loves using ordinary people to do outstanding things because he gets the credit and the glory. So if you take anything with you today that I've said, please just remember to say yes to his urging. Then step back and watch him work. Anybody that's involved in a ministry like this, especially one that stretches you out and puts you in, a, um, in uncomfortable situations time and time again, they can, they can see Jesus at work. He's always in teaching mode with, but with us. Um, and then I've also noticed, you know, when I'm reading the Bible and I'm studying the Bible, the words just tend to jump off and have a completely different meaning when you're out there doing this and you're putting Jesus in, 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 in the driver's seat. Thank you. Thanks, Donnie. That, that's uh, before you leave. That, that's, that's living sin. That's being on mission. That is partnering uh, with God on his mission to rescue and uh, to redeem. And so we want to pray for Donnie and your uh, group, that, your small group, and, and those that, that help with part three. Uh, especially today, I think one of the most powerful things that we can do as a church um, is to pray uh, for them, but also pray for them while they're at part three. And you're going to be there today from 1230 to 2 at 2.30, and so we just want to, if you can remember, uh, maybe jot that down real quick, and at 12.30, uh, just spend some time praying for their ministry, and um, just that, that how God has been using you guys, and so I want to pray for you right now. God, we thank you for Donnie. We thank you for his heart for, for ministry and his heart for you, how you have just uh, grown him over the last several years, God, and uh, we just uh, give you all the praise and glory. If I would just continue to pray for that ministry, we pray that as they grow and as they multiply that ministry and as they spread and, and just reach more people with the gospel, uh, God, we pray that, uh, that, that more and more people will step up and, and, and live sent in, in that regard. And so, God, we thank you and praise you, and uh, we pray for them today, and it's in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, buddy. So, so that's, that's just one, one thing there. Uh, some other things that, that at Chester Christian Church that we're doing on ground level is, you know, we're, we're trying to get into Hyde Park and Ashton Creek, and uh, we've been regularly getting in there the last several years. And it's been challenging because at, at times it looks like God is closing the door over there, uh, but then, and then all of a sudden it's like God reopens the door and we're in further than we were before. And uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the youth have come from Hyde Park and, and come to youth group and been a part of the youth group here and heard about Jesus. And, and it's just been really cool to see how God is working and moving in, in that ministry. Uh, we do the Hope Tree foster care uh, ministry uh, Christmas dinner thing here on the, in December. It's just a great way to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to show the love of Christ uh, to, to folks and uh, so, so many other opportunities, but I say I'll just say this, that we, we do these, we provide these opportunities for you to participate in so you can see, hey, this is, this is what it means to live sent, and I can do this in my own neighborhood. I, I can do this in my own area of influence, right? Listen, you are here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. Right? I said earlier that, that God saved you uh, from something for something. And that for something is to partner with him on his mission, man. You are, you live where you live for a reason. You work where you work for a reason, right? You, your kids are on ball teams for a reason because it's not just to, so they can win a trophy. You don't, you don't live where you live just so you can, yeah, you, you're there for a reason, man. It's to, it's to live sent, it's to proclaim Jesus, it's to make much of him in your neighborhood, and so what does that look like? Well, it, it means getting to know your neighbors. It means having relationships with them. It means, it means showing hospitality, inviting them into your home, having a meal together, right? No, nothing, nothing is better than having a meal. Uh, everything centers around food, right? Come on. <laughs> right? Great conversations happen around mealtime. You know, just, just practice hospitality. Get to know your neighbors. Interact with them at work co-workers, hang out, you know, kids' ball games, don't, you know, pray, pray for, as you're there uh, on the soccer field or the ball field or wherever it is, you know, just spend time praying for the folks that are around you. Pray, God, just give me opportunities to share the gospel. Give me opportunities to meet new people. Give me the boldness that I need, God. Fill me with your spirit to do this, right, because you can't do it in your own strength and your own power. That's what it means to live sent in your area of influence, in your own neighborhood, in your own community, Right, we, with parents, pray for your kids. Show, show, show your kids how the gospel just, uh, just is a part of every area of your life and how that influences that. Pray, pray for them. 
And so that, that's what it means to, to live sent. That's what it means to, to, to be on mission with God. But it also, a part of that is discipling, growing in the gospel. And so I've asked Miss Janet here if you would share. Uh, you, I can bring the mic to you. Would you like for me to bring the mic to you? Or you, what do you prefer? That's fine. Come on up here. You guys give Janet a nice warm welcome here. And I just I share this because it was the last week that she came up to me. Yes, last week we were standing out here uh, just without prompt or anything. And she was just sharing about her small group and how awesome it was and how much you know, she loves it, the getting together and, and growing in the Lord. And I just said, you know what, Janet, can you say what you just said to me next Sunday in front of everybody? <laughs> and so that's what she's going to do. Okay. It's on. Okay. I'm not used to using one of these. <laughs> Um, good morning. Um, I, I don't believe that God wants us to be alone in our spiritual journey. Um, he's always with us. I tell my grandchildren this. I tell everybody this. He's always with us. But he means for us to have physical human support as well. And some of that support comes in the form of insight and advice and encouragement from my small group. Uh, their support has encouraged me to change my relationship with God for the better. Uh, we always take prayer requests. Um, we pray for each other as well as other people. Um, my small group is a safe place for me to confess sins and struggles, to laugh at Donnie, and to tell of my praises. We also eat, which is great, because we have some very talented cooks in my group. My growth is leading to a closer relationship with God, trusting Him ultimately. When we develop relationships in our small group, God continues to provide. I have personally experienced this more than once in my life since I've been at Chester Christian. My small group is right there to help, whether it's a meal, a group prayer, a phone call, a hug, or help with a move. <laughs> Of course, our group has goals, as Donnie has talked about. Our particular site has been on par three. Along with the Hester small group, we have established relationships, we have discipled, and we have even had a prayer meeting. Who knows what's next? Our group enjoys activities beyond the church. We just had a cookout. We've been to some great Christian music concerts. And we have plans for more. We have a feeling of fellowship that's a result of sharing God's word, ministering to each other, and making much of Jesus. Thank you, Janet. I, I don't know what else I could add to that except, man, we just that, that's we stress small groups, the importance of small groups, because that is really how. Uh, we grow. I mean, we were not meant to, to be alone, uh, but because of our sinfulness, we, we tend to lean towards that direction. Um, but so I, I just encourage you, man, if you're not a part of a small group, we, we work really hard here at Chester Christian uh, to try to get people plugged in. We've, we've started offering some, some child care on Sunday nights. Uh, so if you want to participate in a small group on a Sunday night and bring your kids, uh, man, we're, we're doing that. And if you come to us and say, hey, man, I could really Really, uh, you know, you, you do a small group on this night. We'll, we'll, make, we'll try to make it happen because we are that passionate about it, and we believe it's that important, uh, as, just, as Miss Janet just shared. And so, uh, Donnie, you guys might be getting some new small group people because talk about the food and the great, great cooks, right? And I, I'll be honest with you, they do, man. I, I've, I have experienced that uh, with that small group. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, but anyway, so that's how we disciple people in the gospel. And so, man, I just... I just want to share that with you. That, that's what it means to live sent. That's kind of on ground level uh, for you here. But then I just want to kind of take it to the next level and just share kind of big picture vision with you. And I've kind of 
share it a little bit here and there with you, but I want to just, just share it with you here as we end the Acts series because that's what Acts is about. It's about, it's about the gospel. It's about advancing the gospel. It's about making much of Jesus, and that's what we're about here at Chester. And, 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 and so ultimately, as, as Donnie shared about Par 3 and, and how they want to grow that ministry and multiply that ministry, um, one, one of the things that, that he said to me when they first started was, man, you know, we, we would like to get people to come to church here. And listen, I'm all for that. I want you to invite your neighbors. I want you to invite people to church here. We want people to come. We definitely want that. But I just told Donnie, I said, you know what, Donnie? I said, don't so much worry about that. I said, because you could take church there, right? You can be the lead planter for Par 3 and Shamrock and wherever community God is calling you to go to, and you can start churches there. You can lead Bible studies, and you can sing songs together you know what I'm saying? So, so that's kind of, kind of the idea here of, of what we're, we want to do big picture is, is as we reach people and disciple people and as we grow in Christ and we're, we're using our gifts, we are multiplying small groups, right? We're developing new leaders. We're training people. We're equipping people. And ultimately what we want to do is we want to multiply Chester Christian Church, right? We want to be, we want to send, we want to be a sending church because God is ascending God. And we want to send people out. We want to send a group of people from Cheshire Christian Church, and we want to plant another church in another location so that we can reach more people with the gospel. Amen? That's, that's long-term. That's down the road. That's, that's, that's the vision. That's what we want to do. And I just pray, man. I pray that you guys would catch that. I pray that you guys would see that. I pray that God would capture your hearts and that you would see people as he sees them, that we are to live sent. And I can tell you right now, man, there was a group of people, 10, 10 families to be exact, and a lot of them still are here at Chester Christian Church that 43, 43 years ago had that same vision. They were a part of the church in Hopewell, and they had a vision to reach more people and to advance the gospel and so 10 families from that Hopewell Church moved to Chester, and they planted Chester Christian Church, and that's why we're here today. Because 1975, 43 years ago, they planted that. And at first service, we had a few of them. Is anybody here second service? Is anybody a part of that? I don't know. Is anybody? Nobody? First service, there was a few here. I know some of them aren't here today. I know some of them are, are under the weather and out of town and different things like that. But 43 years ago, they had that vision, and here we are today, 300-plus uh, because they wanted to advance the gospel. And then we want to continue to do that. Amen? Let's, let's pray together. We're going to take communion together, uh, and I'll explain that, okay? Father God, we thank you. We thank you f- that you're a God who's on mission. We thank you, God, for um, just the way that you move, and we just pray that as we uh, just soak in um, what we've, we've talked about today, as we've, we go back and look at the book of Acts, and we just pray, God, that you would... Open our minds and our hearts, God, that we would see your passion uh, for the lost and that we would have that same passion, God, and that we, would see, that we would see your passion to see people being formed in Christ and that we would see that. And God, we just pray, we pray that you would just help us. Fill us with your spirit. God, give us the strength we need. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So each week.